And the non-believers shall be cast out from the kingdom of heaven and struck down by the wrath of God the Almighty. Alright, we are recording. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another week of the podcast. Woo! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> high energy, woo! There we go. Um, yeah, we're going to need a lot of high energy today because this one is, is it's, I'm not going to call it a rant, but it's a rant. Um, I've been on Facebook too much recently and uh, I got some, some energy to get out. This is apparently how I'm going to do it. And we so, don't know anything about it. We don't. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, we, we know nothing. Ben and Jesse have not been uh, privy to my show notes for this week. And this, this, is, this is the only blind day I've ever been excited for. <laughs> well, I do think you guys know the topic. Um, that is the GOP versus the GOD. Um, oh, yeah. snap. Oh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> Republicans and Christians uh, often one and the same, but I am here to change your mind. I was going to dress as one of those for Halloween, so don't ruin it for me. <laughs> Which one's scarier? <laughs> That's a good question, then. Um, one question that I'm hoping to answer today. No. <laughs> this week is, is not a conspiracy theory like last week. Uh, this week is facts only. So, uh, as we all are probably aware, coming from the South, there's a long-standing tradition uh, that the GOP is the party of God. Um, this is evidenced, <laughs> evidenced by uh, Pew Research Center. Um, 73% of Republicans say they believe in God, and 71% of evangelicals say they're Republican or Republican-leaning. So... I know that those are high numbers, but that's shocking that that's that low. Yeah, I honestly kind of felt the same way when I when I saw this research, and the only I was expecting I saw, like in the high eighties, nineties. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, me too. The only number I saw, and I, I couldn't confirm it. Hmm. I just saw it on an uh, in MSNB, MSNBC article. Yeah. Um, and it was 80% of white evangelicals voted for Trump in 2016. Uh, that makes um, sense. Again, I could not confirm where they got that from, but I was like, that makes more sense. I was expecting hey, above 80. He is pro-life. He will protect the babies. <laughs> you know, we're going to get into that a little bit. <laughs> oh, oh, no. no. Mom, stop listening. <laughs> <laughs> not, not too much. Not too much. Um, Anyway, but basically the GOP believes that they're the party of, party of God and that they have the moral high ground um, on Democrats. And I, I don't agree with this clearly. Uh, I, don't, I think it's not only fundamentally wrong, um, but it's also disgraceful that they claim to be in line with Christianity. And I think if Jesus were alive today, uh, frankly, he'd be disgusted and appalled. The Republican Party uh, claims themselves to be the party of God and uses God and jesus uh, to further their political agenda i wonder how many of them act i wonder how many not like the not the politicians but i wonder how many gop supporters like re, like at like i would be curious to know how many of them actually believe that that the, the, the party of god thing yeah like i wonder how many of yeah. them actually i, I mean 
the rat, the human part of my brain is like, okay, well, humans, like we can think, and then but people surprise you, and then they don't. Um, so I guess I wouldn't be surprised if most of them really do believe that, but I would be curious to know what the numbers look like. Like if there's some that understand that it's a grift, but they're fine with it. Yeah, that's actually a good, a good question. Um, and that's something I came across in research, but um, I'd like to know that as well. Cause I mean, there's, liber- there's absolutely liberals like that where they under like the, like, I mean, there's liberal grifters and people buy into yeah. it knowingly. Like they're like, yeah, yeah I know for it's sure. fake, but I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and well, that's the thing uh, that I think I came to at the end of this is that once I looked at the research, there's, there's really no logic, logical way to argue um, your, your way out of this. It's just, if you're buying into the Republican party as a Christian, um, it's not based on Christian logic. It's based on, I don't want to be too aggressive, but it's based on homophobic, homophobia and racism and misogyny. And, um, and that's, that's the only argument that you have. Yeah. It's not logic. All right. So why are we talking about this? This is uh, definitely a big thing to bring up, but you know, it's, it's voting time again across the country and we're all militantly at odds with each other. And I've been seeing a, a lot of posts on social media and, I gotta be honest, I just can't take the hypocrisy anymore. I, I feel yeah. like I, I've been just bathed in this by now on Facebook and I'm just like, I, I feel like I have to say something, I have to do something and it, this is a better way for me to do it in a more structured way rather than like replying to everybody I see post some dumb shit. Are you gonna start online. chain emailing? Please do. <laughs> oh my God. Reply all. Oh, um, we have time to talk about how the Republican Party is not right. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be my new tagline. Um, so I, I was looking online and I found an article by uh, New Spring from our, oh, our home, South Carolina, one of the mega churches we mentioned in the mega church podcast. Somebody from New so, Spring learned how to write? Yeah, yeah. It's Well, I wouldn't go that far. Um, <laughs> words, but, <laughs> words and writing are the same thing. <laughs> Basically, uh, they, they brought up this idea, and this is not a novel idea or something that Newspring invented just happened to be the article I read. And I think it comes up around this time every year, there's an election where it's like, well, what, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus vote? Would we hear a Republican or a Democrat? Uh, there's, a, <laughs> there's like fierce debates on this kind of thing, but also there's people that kind of toe the middle and uh, Newspring in this article in particular was kind of that towing the middle line. And basically they were like, it doesn't really matter uh, what Jesus would be because your hope shouldn't be in politicians. Your hope is in God. That's a um, cop out. Weak. Yes. Yes. It's a cop out. <laughs> I, Take I, a I position. Think <laughs> I think it's more than a cop out because uh, I think um, it takes the power away from people. It, hmm. it disempowers people and, and basically says, look, your vote doesn't count. Like you're, you're not able to make a real change in this world and the people you vote for can't either. You just got to hope that the magical being in the sky comes down and, and, and says, I'm going to change it for you. God put Trump in office. Right. And so how many vote, how, how many votes do you get? Like, did, does God like absentee ballot? Or, um, <laughs> he's, he's got a mail in man. He seems to have mail in the box. <laughs> How that many would be so cool. God Honestly, if a ballot came, if I was a ballot worker and a ballot came by and it was, it just said God, and I was, I'd just be like, right, move it along. Like, I guess, yeah, it's valid. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, 
I think this is important to talk about because we, we need to empower people to make change um, yes. in and of themselves and, and not sit back and, and, and toe the line of, of, well, my hope's in God no matter what. So, you know, it, it's not really up to me to decide, blah, 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 blah. Um, or the, the classic, well, let's, let's pray about it, you know, and yeah. get, go to God in prayer. But then I'm over here sitting like, right, because that's worked so well up until now. Um, so I just feel like this is something we got to talk about, you know, on the religious podcast. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And that being said, I, I, I sorry, friend. No, as I say, like, I genuinely want um, Christians to actually really be genuinely empowered and what they believe to f- like fulfill what they believe their spiritual purposes. Cause it's such a big thing. And if somebody feels like, like, I mean, you know, we were, in, we were all in Baptist churches and Methodist churches in the South. Like mm-hmm. the impulses of empathy of like, I don't want to hate these people. Some people just need permission to not hate other people. And so I'm only going to talk about three, uh, three main areas of discrepancy between what the Bible and what Jesus say, uh, what the GOP stands for. Um, and those being money, abortion, and immigration. And, uh, this is by no means an exhaustive list. Like you could talk <laughs> for days about this kind of stuff. Um, like I said, like we just said, like this could go on forever if we let it. Um, well, so it's going to be a very short, shallow dive into the, the differences between, between the, the party of God and God himself. So, and I also want to give credit. I'm going to try my best with this name to Merrick von Rennenkampf. Uh, Most of, or not most of, but a lot of what I, what I have in the research came from an article that he wrote in 2019 on the Hill um, Mm. uh, discussing the differences between the party and God. It's a great article, so I just want to shout him out. And actually, I have the link in here, so if we could link that in the show description. Sure. All right. Let's talk money, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody likes money. Right? Ben, do you like money? Uh, I do like to have money. I do not like to spend that money, though. Mm-hmm. Jesse, do you like money? Um, I think it's great. Um Money is fantastic. I can't wait for the inevitable hyperinflation of our own currency. Um, my favorite yeah. thing about money is putting it into paper stacks and diving into it. Mm, that's yeah. a classic. Yeah, that's my favorite part because I have so much, you know. Yeah. Um, right. Or, right. I mean, you would honestly fit. Yeah. Yeah. I just to send a message. yeah dm me for two thousand dollars cash (laughs) you would fit right in with the gop thank god i've been looking for money uh it's no secret that they love money republican candidates and presidents uh, have pushed tax cuts for the richest of people uh since forever reagan bush trump like everybody's done it uh, it's just one of the things you do if you're a Republican candidate. And oftentimes this comes at the cost of the middle class, but they don't seem to realize that. <laughs> so uh, from CNBC in 2018, and it's the most up-to-date data I could find, but the average CEO made $278 to every $1 their median employee made for the mm. 350 top 350 
companies in the country. <laughs> um, and the highest disparity of such was 362 to one. And that was during the Bush administration. Um, so again, under two Republican presidents, we've had some of the highest and the highest um, income disparities that we've had in this country. And even if you're entirely heartless, this should still raise at the very least a logical problem for Christians. Uh, take the following verse, for example. This is James 5, uh, 1 through 6. Quote, now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming to you. Your wealth is rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver have, are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded the wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you have failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. So, uh, do you know pretty clear cut here. The wording of that passage um, is very similar to the curse of Cain in Genesis. Mm. Like, it normally, normally the scripture talks about blood crying out from the ground. Um, you never hear about, I never heard about a passage where wages cry out from the ground. It's almost like money and <laughs> the, 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 the ability to have is almost as important as life itself. Oh my God. <laughs> Weird. Uh. But for this, this verse, I mean, this verse to me speaks directly to income disparity and specifically mm -hmm. between workers and, uh, I guess, managers or CEOs or whatever you want to call them. Um, and, and Jesus here is speaking out uh, directly against, well, I don't, I'm actually not sure if Jesus said this, but the scripture here is speaking directly against wealth inequality. I mean, Jesus hit tax collectors with a whip in a temple. <laughs> all i'm saying yeah so i mean all right you were one verse in and there's a clear discrepancy between what the scripture says and and what the the party believes because again these tax credits are or tax cuts are going to increase this uh disparity and only benefit the, the top of the top um and this is again not something new uh, the rich have long been the priority of the republican party and, and the major beneficiaries of not only the gop but the capitalist mindset that is often the catalyst for many gop policies and also what you hear a lot of republicans refer to as like the gold standard mm -hmm. you know like i want capitalism in my country not socialism yada, yada, yada. <laughs> um, I've been unionized. But, I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> I've been unionized. Um, and and anyway, to those people that say capitalism is, is the gold standard, I would quote 1 Timothy 6, 9, which says, quote, those who want to get rich and fall into temptation and, and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction, end quote. And to me, that's talking about capitalism. Isn't that the whole point? Is that everybody can get rich through capitalism and everybody's got a chance to make it from rags to riches. I mean, that's the tagline, rags and to everyone riches. does. If you just work hard, just work it hard. works out. And you're white. Every, every time. And you're a guy. Yes. <laughs> it's a one-to-one -one ratio. You just work hard and you're a billionaire. Yeah, you're a billionaire off the bat. American dream, ladies and gentlemen. I guess I'm just confused how this verse leaves any room for capitalism. I mean, it literally says are trying to get rich, you're going to fall into temptation, which will lead to ruin and destruction. 
I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just dumb. I don't see it. Anyway, the list goes on. Jesus continues to speak out against money and the love of such in Luke 16, 13. This is a famous verse that many people know um, in which Jesus says, uh, you cannot serve two masters. And the two masters he's referring to are God and money. And every gospel has a version of the story and they all say the same thing, God and money. And then in Matthew 19, 24, Jesus says, truly, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of the needle and for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, if you need further proof, 1 Timothy 6.10 says, the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's the another one that everybody likes to misquote, but even even quoted correctly, it doesn't, it doesn't speak well to money. I think a lot of times the argument is somebody will say, but you know, money's a root of all evil. And then the Republican comes in with, that's not the actual verse. The love of money is the root of all evil. Well, money is only the root of all evil unless it comes from um, lobbyists. <laughs> not evil then. It's just speech. Money is speech yeah, now. Yeah, right, right. It's free speech. Yeah, it's free, free speech. speech. Uh, but again, I would, I would bring up the previous verse, uh, 6, 9. Um, nice. Um, that that <laughs> says those who want to get rich will fall into temptation. So yeah, it's, it's the verse isn't saying that money itself is the root of all evil, but it's also saying you can't want to get rich and not love money. Right. So it's like, it, it it's within the context of the, of the previous verse, I think it negates those claims by Republicans. Um, but that's not all. I have more. Oh my gosh. Matthew 6, oh, 19 to 24. What? Mm-hmm. What do you say, Ben? Oh, I just said, but wait. Matthew 6, 19 through 24 speaks against wealth, uh, saying not to store up treasures on earth because true wealth is in the kingdom of heaven with God. And then Jesus also, uh, speaking about taxation, he says, give Caesar what is Caesar's. Um, And this to me, I mean, not only does Jesus speak about uh, obeying the laws of of the land and and, uh, paying your taxes, he says, what he says to me shows that he doesn't value money at all. Like if, if the other five verses I just read that improve, he doesn't value money. I mean, he literally says, give it up, give it to Caesar. Like he's like, who cares? Like that's not real wealth anyway. The real mm-hmm. wealth is in the kingdom of heaven. On the, uh, the capitalist point, I have long been a believer that Jesus was a socialist <laughs> and like firmly, firmly believe that. Uh, and I was like, you know, it's just based on how I feel he acted and his teachings. And again, with my belief that, that he has at least learned in Buddhism, it, it just tracks well with uh, what I think about Jesus. And in research today, I was like, I was looking it up and I was like, oh, shit, I don't even have to like believe this based on context. Yeah. I can just read the Bible. And I, I mean, I, would... it, I mean, socialism doesn't even go far enough to what Christ calls for. Yeah, exactly. All right, this is this is something I hadn't heard of. This is Acts 4, verse 32. Quote, all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. End quote. Uh, and this is not the only verse in Acts. Uh, oh, yeah, this... Jesus abolished private property. Cry about it. Ex- yes, exactly. Um, but anyway, in, in Acts, it is describing early communities, early Christian communities. Um, and like or centered around early Christian churches, they 
practiced wealth distribution and early forms of socialism. Like it was just accepted that that's how it worked for oh, yeah. Christian communities. And in the Bible, in the book, it says this. And I'm like, how, how do you make an argument that Jesus was a Republican when in the book, his early churches, and I, I get that they're not established by him, but the early churches of Christianity were teaching socialist ways of life and they were living in a way like that. The other verse oh, I no. don't have written down. Ben, no, you're wrong. Those verses are only there so that we can do fun activities at youth group and then never talk about them again. <laughs> everybody, everybody grab a bandana and then you trade bandanas with your neighbor and that means generosity. And that's all it means. Now, don't read deeper into it. Uh, yeah. God. Well, that's not the only thing that that, <laughs> that, um, that chapter says. It also speaks about how everyone in the, in the village would give what they made or what they mm-hmm. yielded from their crops to the uh, apostles. And yep. they would lay them before the apostles' feet and the apostles would divvy them up to whoever needed help. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I don't know about you guys, but it sounds a lot like the S word socialism to me. That's like, um, that's mercantile socialism too. That's like hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah even Sweden exactly. doesn't do that. Like... <laughs> uh, Jesse, it's not Sweden. You got to talk about Venezuela. That's what all the. Oh, you're right. Venezuela. Out. They eat rats. That's right. I forgot. If I hear it's that just, one more time. I'm going to lose my mind. Uh, it's all I hear. Um, Yes, I'm sure Venezuela is just riddled with uh, union power, you know, workplace consolidation, and I'm sure there's a lot of uh, public ownership going on there. I'm sure that's it's all there, right? Right? Am I, am I right? Right. <laughs> well, since all of you guys are listening, we're going to move on to a little less divisive of a topic, uh, an abortion. Oh. oh, yeah, less divisive. Are we talking yeah. about my abortion? <laughs> I... Yeah, there's almost no controversy surrounding this, so I hesitated to even include it. Yeah. I was like, is this is this too boring of a topic? Like, I wanted something, like, hot button, hot topic. I needed something to get the people going. And I was like, nobody really feels strongly about this, but I'll throw it in there. I think the GOP in a, does abortion like they do homosexuality. It's totally – they do it. As long as you don't talk about it, we're good. Yeah, there's – honestly, there, this is going to be a shorter segment because there's not a lot to talk about here. But I've been seeing a lot of it recently, obviously with the, the, the new appointee for the, the Supreme Court vacancy. ACB! <laughs> oh, gosh. It's got everybody talking about abortion. Mm-hmm. I've even seen, like, religious campaigns uh, do, like, um, independent ads because of the abortion topics. And, you know, talking about how uh, Christians need to get out and vote because the right to a baby's life is on the line or some uh. bullshit. But... Um, Anyway, this is not new. Many Christians have long planted their flag uh, of being a Republican. And it's solely on the basis of being against abortions because Jesus wasn't uh, for abortions. But was he, though? Old Testament, Um, drink poison, kill your baby. (laughs) This is interesting to me because I, in reading, I was like, it said that Jesus never talked about abortions. And me, being the dumb idiot I am, I was like, well, no shit, because right. abortions are new. No, they're not. Uh, the earliest, <laughs> they not. earliest, <laughs> earliest ev- uh, evidence of an abortion was in the year 1550 BC in Egypt. So that's a long time ago. And uh, this I would, mean, this there is, there's a scriptural commandment or ordering from God, ordering a woman to drink poison and kill her child. Hold on now. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll pull it up. You keep talking. 
How did yeah. I know about this? Yeah. Oh boy. All right, this segment is going to take longer than I thought. <laughs> All right. So we've established that abortion had been around for over 1,500 years before Jesus. Yet, he never spoke on the topic. Um, and I'm not making the argument, I want to be very clear, I'm not making the argument that this means he condoned it. That would be a logical fallacy. Uh, all I'm saying, I'm merely pointing out the fact that Christians assume Jesus' beliefs on the topic coincides with their beliefs on the topic uh, when he himself did not deem it important enough to speak about. Or maybe they just didn't write it down. Or a third option, maybe Jesus just believed that women were people too and deserve rights. I don't know though. I've got it pulled up. I just want to make sure that this is the correct one. Oh, here we go. Okay. So it's the, um, the passage, is, it's in Numbers and it's called The Test of the Unfaithful Wife. I'm going to, I'll keep it short and just read the really the, the juicy bits. Um, so basically it's um, a law in numbers where if a man suspects that his wife has been unfaithful because she's pregnant and he doesn't think that it's his child, um, he will take her to the priest. And I quote, then the priest shall put the woman under oath and say to her, if no other man has had sexual relations with you and you have not gone astray and become impure while married to your husband, may this bitter water that brings a curse not harm you. But if you have gone astray while married to your husband and you have made yourself impure by having sexual relations with a man other than your husband, here the priest is to put the woman under this curse. May the Lord cause you to become a curse among your people when he makes your womb miscarry and your abdomen swell. May this water that brings a curse into your body so that your abdomen swells and your womb miscarries. And the woman is to say, amen, so be it. This is the way. This is the way. This is numbers. This is this is numbers five eleven through thirty one. Is the entire passage of the unfaithful wife? Because when I was doing, I I did a thesis defense for <laughs> when I was in college, and I I did it on this like this particular passage. Like yeah, it's real, and the priest does it. Like like we we could have pastors out here performing abortions, and it would be completely biblical apparently. But that's only said, well, if, that, that's only if scripture's not inerrant. <gasps> oh my god. I mean, since you wrote about this, you want to speak more on this topic? Uh, sure. So this was actually a very common practice. Um, I mean, you can look back at ancient Egyptian writing, not even ancient Egyptian writing, but like, like you said, Egypt is one of the first cultures to start doing this. The Israelites spend so much time in Egypt. Maybe they picked it up there. Who knows, right? I'm sure somebody mm -hmm. actually does, but I don't. But yeah, there's actually, there's uh, one other that I can think of that I heard about. Maybe it's the same passage, but it was a different translation. But I know that I've, have read like um god will god commanded a woman to drink poison and bring about a swelling of the abdomen so that her womb will miscarry it's going to make me go into pro-life rant so i won't but <laughs> the idea that abortions are a taboo scary derived topic that christians are terrified to touch and also let's call it what it is most pro-lifers are far less they're they're far less concerned about abortions happening and they're just more concerned about people doing things that they, cause they said no, you know, the yeah. church said no and you're doing it anyway. And that's why they're really mad about it. Most pro-lifers that I've met really actually probably don't give a shit about abortions or children for that matter. Cause if you're really pro-life, wouldn't you be worried about the kids who are disenfranchised in their communities who die at exorbitant rates from lead poisoning, who get lower education than, God, any other part of the country. I mean, just in South Carolina, where I'm at, like there are, I, I don't have to go more than a mile down the street or no, I, to like 
some of the shittiest elementary schools. And it's not because the teachers don't care. It's not because the staff doesn't have the like drive to want to teach these kids correctly. They don't have the resources. It's like 40 kids to a classroom with one teacher who's strung out. And it's like, if you're really pro-life, wouldn't you give a shit about that? Like, wouldn't you care about that? But no, as soon as that baby's out, they don't care about it. So they don't care about the kid. So I say, if you're pro-life and you're not, you're not either adopting children or personally donating to children being born into families who can't take care of them correctly, then you're not pro-life. You're just angry. You're a violent, radical protester. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, uh, Something that was brought to my attention today that I had not heard of, but uh, I believe Alabama and and one of the state, I could be wrong uh, in saying that it's Georgia, but, you know, Georgia could be, it's the kind of state that would do this, so... Um, but Alabama for sure was pushing for the uh, death penalty mm-hmm. for people who were who had an abortion. Um, an eye for an eye. And eye for an eye. <laughs> and I'm just like, are you telling me you want the death penalty? So these people yes. are screaming pro-life <laughs> and also saying kill this person. Yes. I I, I can't understand that. I physically don't have the capacity to process the level of ignorance that it takes to mentally work yourself into that position. Yeah. Just a few I would, things. I consider myself to be a true pro-lifer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, that's the thing you're saying. And I totally agree with you without getting too derailed into politics. The, the problem I have is, is pro-lifers aren't pro-life at the no, end of the not. day. They're not. And, um, it, it drives me mad watching them claim to be pro-life and then shooting down every possible attempt to help human life. I can't believe I'm, go- I'm about to compliment her. This is going to be very hard for me. This is going to be tough, but I'm going to do it. Elizabeth Warren had a really great quote on abortion that I think actually is a pretty good answer for evangelical concern over it, which is, and this is sort of my position as well, you know, a woman in that position may consult her family she may consult her friends. She may be ready. She may be not. Maybe she talks to her partner. Maybe she talks to her faith leaders. But the organization that should not be involved in that decision process for her is the federal government. There is no room, there is no moral place for legislation that directly intervenes into a decision about your body. And I think that's where it is. It's not the pro-life argument of pro-choicers just want abortions to happen all the time i'm sure there's a nut job out there that does like i i'm not saying that you know kathy's not out there in the streets screaming like rip them out rip them out like i'm sure she is you know and maybe she needs some mental health care you know maybe maybe that we should invest in that as well at the end of the day it's the same argument that i would have to somebody who you know sort of disparages like a feminist movement it's not about like every woman should get an abortion. It's about you should have the choice to have a child when you're ready or not. Because if you're not ready, yes, absolutely. I think that it is the moral high ground to say, I'm going to spare this child. Even if you think it's a child, I personally don't, but if you think it's a child, I'm going to spare this child a life where they will most likely never make it to a sustainable quality of life where they will be able to be happy or they're going to be miserable their entire life because of the situation that I'm in, I'm not ready for this child. That's like 
if there's multiple levels to that, you have to believe that it's a child, which, okay, cool, fine. I'm sure there's an argument for that. I don't, you know, I haven't heard a good one yet, but maybe there is. Then you have to understand that child's going to be born one day and what's going to happen to it then, right? Yes, I think that's the moral high ground to terminate if you think that you are not in a position to be a sustainable household or if you just don't want a child. Who, what child, want, what parent like, why should a child have to have a parent who didn't want them, right? And the whole thing about like, well, there's plenty of people who want to adopt. You go adopt a kid. There's plenty in foster homes right now. There's plenty in foster homes. You obviously don't care. Don't give me that half-ass argument about you having some moral upright standing, spiritual calling for childhood welfare. Whenever you drive past foster homes every single day with kids that are being, I'm, I'm some, most foster homes are perfectly fine, right? Like, and some are terrible. Some are awful. But don't act like you've got this moral high ground where you're the right one, that, you, that everyone else is like a blood-drinking Satanist, which, by the way, would make them cooler anyway. If you're not going to care for the kids that are already here, and that's like, I don't know, maybe this is just like, the, like I'm getting fired up now because like I used to, I had worked with foster kids for years. And some of them are fine. Some of them are doing great. Some of them have really wonderful foster families. A lot of them don't, especially in poor areas like South Carolina. Like, don't tell me you're pro-life if you don't give a shit about these kids either. I'm not talking about like, of course, I pray for them every day. No, they need food. They don't need prayers. So yeah, absolutely. I will 100% defend a woman's right to choose whether she wants to have or not have a child. That is the, to me, the only moral high ground. I'm done with my piece. <laughs> it's, no, interesting well to, uh, it's interesting to hear the rhetoric of freedom and choice especially with COVID and wearing a mask. (laughs) (laughs) And then the choice of abortion and how that shouldn't be a choice. It's like, well, freedom, choice. I think looking at it from the, so the way I try to view the abortion um, perspective is I always try to view it from the perspective of somebody who thinks that it is a life. I personally don't. I, I, for me, like I told Ben earlier, it's no more at a, at a certain point. Yeah, sure. There is bodily autonomy of a fetus. Sure. But for most of the, when people normally get abortions, which is pretty early on, it is no more functional than a dead organ. And I know that it's harsh. And if it's your child and you wanted it and you find it to be beautiful and you feel that life inside you, I'm sure that I know know that's an experience of plenty of women. Great. I will celebrate that with you. That's amazing. That's wonderful. But you cannot legislate what what somebody wants to do to their, their body, right? But I mean, it, it's hard to, cause like I, 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 a part of me does empathize with people who really do believe that it is a genuine life. Like, cause that, that has more justification to it, to me on the pro-life stance than somebody who just like, is just mad because abortions happen and I think it's wrong. Like I'm sure there's pro-lifers who genuinely care, but if you're a pro-lifer and you genuinely care, the best thing to do is to create measures to prevent pregnancy in the first place, which is where we can find a lot of common ground, like universal free contraception, universal sex education in every single public school. You want to lower the pregnancy rate as much as possible. Yeah. Like if abortions can be prevented, incredible. That would be great, but it has to be under the circumstance that still give people the right to individual autonomous choice of their bodies. There's common ground, which is we're not going to be able to work it out. Like, <laughs> Right. I, I think that's the, the issue is it's hard to hard to see common ground. And just to try to bring us back on topic here a little yes. bit. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think I think it comes down to the fact that 
in reality, it's not about the government having power because that's what you hear. You know, Republicans like less government. No, I don't want government having power of my choices. And then all they do is vote for the government to have power over all their choices. (laughs) The military is the government. (laughs) (laughs) And so in that verse that you shared with us about uh, the abortion in the old Testament, Mm -hmm. um, I think it speaks a lot to what people really want. Um, and this is, we could have multiple episodes on the atrocities of the Old Testament, but okay. um, <laughs> I'm not going to get devolved to that. I just, I just wanted to use this specific example to say it's very, you can draw a very strong parallel to today's society uh, in saying that that, that verse um, is so misogynistic and sexist, but it also aligns exactly with current politics of Republicans. And yeah. It's, again, in that verse and in today's society, it's not about saving a life. It's aimed at giving men the power over women's bodies. Mm-hmm. And I, I had such a, like a visceral reaction to that verse because it's so shockingly disgusting. And like just the fact that like, oh, if the man decides that he wants the mm-hmm. woman to have an abortion. And again, that's the same thing we're talking about right now is like the government can decide. And who is the, what is the government made up of? What, 99% male? Like, <laughs> this is exactly the same conversation we're having from the Old Testament. No the, uterus, no opinion. <laughs> and it's just, it, 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 it's so disgusting to see that, like, it's really not about power. And again, yeah. it's the same argument I made at the beginning. You, you cannot have logic in the situation. Just be honest, you're sexist. And it, that's, that's my last point about abortion is, like, Okay, that was, well, we got way, way farther into the weeds on abortion than... Yeah, what a small topic. Yeah, it was my shortest topic. had like... There's plenty of pastors who preach on their pro-choice position. It's fascinating. All right, well, I'm going to move us along to immigration. We're just just jumping. One quick point. Yeah, go ahead. Or or I guess discussion. We should get a a female to talk about. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yes. If we're going to like do a whole episode on it. I have yeah, an amazing, I have someone amazing in mind, but we'll talk later. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a great point. And, and I think if we, this clearly is a topic we both, we all feel very strongly about and uh, it, it can be taken further than we're taking it here. Can it be the three of us talking over her the entire time? <laughs> Got to make it accurate to real life. Yes. Um, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. <laughs> you just shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> best line of the whole thing all right this is not a political podcast immigration for religion Let's um, go. immigration and this one is you know before before we had that last discussion my note on this said that this is probably in my opinion the most egregious and despicable contrast between the gop and god but i don't know after that conversation we had it's it's all egregious um, <laughs> So uh, hard to compare. It is. It's really hard to compare (laughs) atrocities. Um, But this kind of is in keeping with what we were just talking about and that the GOP has long opposed immigration. um, But not only that, also social programs that benefit the poor. And and we were kind of brought that in with the idea of pro-life and social programs that help human life. But I think the, the biggest recent happening of this was uh, last summer in 2019, Trump issued the travel ban and also the, uh, the, the ban that 
prevented asylum seekers from entering the country. And the Trump administration has also furthered the practice of putting immigrants in cages and separating families at the border. Uh, and if none of this is heart-wrenching enough, um, a lot of children have died as a result of an underprepared government overcrowding these cells and neglecting to care for the well-being of the humans they have imprisoned there. Uh, and if that doesn't scream pro-life, I don't know what does. This is, um, this is not new. Republicans have a long history of, of uh, not prioritizing the, the poor and, and creating an environment in which the wealthy continue to become wealthy and powerful and uh, capitalism substantiates that. But I, I honestly don't have much on this. I have one verse, well, it's several verses, and I'm just going to read the verse as it is. This is Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Uh, I, I've omitted 37 through 39, just for the sake of making this point. It's just redundant. All right, quote, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom was prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then a little further down in verse uh, 40. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those, uh, sorry, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who were cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, but you did not look after me. I don't think there's anything else to say. I there's, think it's, it's the, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Very, it's actually it's way more interesting than I initially thought that it was. So it's pretty. It's I mean, it's pretty commonly known among like especially people who study theology, Sodom and Gomorrah is normally represented towards homosexuality, but in reality, the writing of it deals with hospitality. The cities were destroyed in the Bible because they did not accept with humble and kind hearts visitors. And that's why Lot and his wife and his family were spared because they took in the angels that came to the city to visit. And yes, the men outside were calling to rape them, and Lot offered his daughters instead of his guest, which, yeah, is kind of messed up, but that's not the point of the story. Like, evangelicals, not even the ones who claim to be a part of the GOP, but evangelicals in general, I don't believe, understand their religion. But it goes deeper than that for evangelicals. I think most Christians don't understand their religion, but I think evangelicals in particular don't want to. They know they don't. I genuinely believe that most of them know they don't, but they don't want to because if they have to accept that the way they have interpreted their faith is incorrect, they have to apologize. They have to change. They have to give up their own wealth. Even though like even the evangelicals who live in a single wide who literally do like yard sales to make it by will defend this narrative to the day they die because they get some sort of emotional kick out of the schadenfreude of it. It's disgusting. Preach, man. Preach. Speaking of Sodom and Gomorrah, I have a, a verse or verses to go along with, with this. And it's when Jesus sends out the 72. 
72 disciples to go and preach throughout the land um, to help, you know, distribute the workload that Jesus was doing. Um, and so this is verse or Luke 10, 8 through 12. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town we will wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Yeah. So even Jesus was like, when people don't welcome you, get mad about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> dust your sandals, leave, and never go back. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think... I think if anybody is, is listening at this point, like they clearly are well willing to have a conversation. So my question to them would be, do you feel like this country is welcoming to people? Like this country that everybody claims is so built on God and we need to put God back in the country. Does it feel like a godly country? Like, is this right? You know, is this, is this, I don't know. This doesn't feel welcoming. It doesn't feel like, like we're treating people like, like Jesus would. And Jesse, uh, to, to your both of you guys' points, like <laughs> perfectly accurate. And this is super clear cut for me. I think Jesus is very direct, very clear about not only that, but people in poverty or, or people that are seeking asylum from something or sick or needing. I think there's there's no way to misinterpret this other than just a, a lack of willingness. Like you were saying, Jesse, like you don't want to understand. You, you don't want to admit what is really written here. And if that's not you, if you said, you know, I had no idea this was even in here. Look, read the damn book, man. Like this is, it's super easy. Like this was a few internet searches. Like, it's, it's not a long book either. <laughs> you can read the Bible on a just, weekend. It's fine. <laughs> it's, I don't know. Like I said earlier, it's beyond logic for me. I think it, it's, it's critical for... Speak to a, a very strange niche uh, part of secularism here for a minute. It's important for those who have seen this, have left Christianity or have left religion in general, to not let go of the virtue that it's supposed to emulate. Like if you did, if you have, like I've walked away. Like I'm done with it. Like if you have walked away, be better. I don't consider myself to be a part of the church. I still want to be Christ-like because. When they, when the church, when, when people in the Christian church say that Jesus's love was radical, that they've actually got it right. They've got it absolutely spot on with that statement. And they say it all the time. And they sure, a lot of, it's... yeah, sure. A lot of them don't put it into practice. You know, they, they put it on Instagram post in cursive writing with a, you know, a pumpkin <laughs> watermark over it, which is fine. Ignore the hypocrites, ignore it, ignore it. They're not going to, it's not going to change. Don't worry about it. Just better yourself, care about the people around you, you know, volunteer where you can there's so many old people that need help. <laughs> Go volunteer at a nursing home, take food to them, casserole, nice casserole. And I, I agree with you. And like, I think it's pretty clear I am not a person of faith by this <laughs> point. Uh, but even as an atheist, I, I think Jesus is a great person to emulate yeah. and to want to be like. I, I think um, I think people or evangelicals often demonize atheists for having no morals. But I, I think I, I'm morally... Jesus is respected among atheists and Christians alike. Uh, it's just whether or not you believe in the, the religion part of it. It's yeah. stinky because there's great Christians. There's yeah, fan, yeah. there's wonder, wonder, beautiful, wonderful people. You know, yeah. just they, you know, you get drowned out in the waves, unfortunately. Mm. 
Uh, does anybody have anything else to say before I kind of wrap this up? We're about an hour now. No, just be nice to people. Be kind. Volunteer. Extend yourself. Don't just be individualistic your whole life. Understand that you're a part of the greater collective of humanity and make sure that you leave this life having bettered the walk, the path that you walked than when you got on it. I can't really top that. So what Jesse said. <laughs> if you can, do it. Do better. Uh, find, I don't even know what to talk about. <laughs> don't 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 let him humble himself. He is one of the kindest, most wonderful people. Yeah, but words are hard, so but I mean, take it away. I'm calling you out. I'm I'm calling you out on this one. You used to not go to church so you could volunteer in a soup kitchen. That is true. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, okay, I'll hop you took on board action. You took action. Volunteer. Yes. Volunteer, do something. You good never know when your... you're gonna be homeless. So you know, Yeah. Which is sad. <laughs> it is true. I feel like with COVID it's hit more people that like yes it's not your fault that things happen to you no <laughs> things just freaking happen so take that into consideration when you're we're, we're about to have a new whole never mind we're, we'll talk about that later <laughs> <laughs> well I, I just want to say like all of this podcast all of this was to say that just imagine a world where christians were actually christians and even as a like an atheist i'm fully behind this idea like imagine the change that would come about if Christians believe what they claim to believe and then put that belief into action. Honestly, just imagine a world where Christians read the Bible. And here's some common ground. There is no doubt of a war on Christianity. Christians and Republicans are working tirelessly to deface and dismantle Jesus and what he stood for. They would rather bow before the GOP than their God. They've created false prophets out of politicians and worship their policies that are in direct opposition to Jesus and the scripture. Racism is rampant. The police are murder murdering citizens. A global pandemic is killing at will. Billionaires are profiting on the financial enslavement of the masses. The rights and lives of, women's are under, of women are under attack. Peaceful protesters are being murdered in the street. There's a climate crisis that no one will talk about. People are being ripped from their families and thrown in cages. If you want change, if you want things to get better, then Christians, here's your call to action. You must choose between your faith and your politics, for no one can serve two masters. Thanks for listening to Not As Christian Is When We Started. If you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Pocket Cast, or Anchor FM, be sure to share that link. Our email will always be in the description, and we are happy and willing to take any questions you may have. And remember, if you enjoyed today's episode, my name is Jesse, and if you hated it, my name is Ben.